I'm kind of nervous about this one. Everybody knows these two. I mean, Diana's like a legend and Alyssa's got this huge job, you know, and I said, this is kind of like, I'm going to sit up straight and get my P's and Q's together for you two. Yeah, thank you. Well, Patty, you make us sound very important. So I said, <laughs> you are. Sure, I, I, you know, I, I, I up my game a little bit. <laughs> Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Credit Union's Coffee and Conversation. I'm Patty Corkery, the President and CEO of the Michigan Credit Union League. Thank you so much for being here. You're going to love this episode. It's very timely as we are uh, pretty much on the eve of the World Credit Union Conference in Vancouver, which is taking place July 23rd through 26th in Vancouver. So I'm super excited to be attending. I know there's some folks from Michigan coming along too. Um, So really looking forward to the event. So I thought who better to have on our podcast other than two women that are leading the charge with the World Council, and that is the president and CEO of the World Council of Credit Unions, Alyssa McCarter Laborde, and the chair of the World Council of Credit Unions, the amazing Diana Dykstra, who is also the president and CEO of both the California and the Nevada Credit Union Leagues. So I was thrilled to sit down to talk to both of these women, get their input on credit unions in the global community, why it's important, how you can engage, and also to hear not only about their backgrounds in this amazing credit union industry, but also what they're looking for forward to at the credit union conference and and what attendees are going to be able to get out of it so it's a fascinating conversation even if you're not going to the world um, credit union conference the majority of our conversation is really about our credit union movement not only at the state level at the national level but also at the world level and why it's important for credit unions to be taking notes and paying attention all over the world, what's happening to access to finance. The United States needs to be a leader in this regard, but also as you're gonna hear in this episode, a listener. A lot of these countries around the world have really tapped into ways to break down barriers, especially in the technology space, in order to reach those in very rural communities or people that are unbanked. And that's something here in the United States that we still need to continue to shine a light on and frankly, to get better at. So what an opportunity to learn from our friends around the world on how to serve members Members in this amazing community. So please enjoy the episode. But as you're listening, we apologize in advance. At times during the recording, there were some technical glitches that might interrupt some of the sound quality. So we made sure to make sure that you could hear and understand the questions and the answers. But it's not as smooth of a sound quality as we like in our podcast. We changed and updated where we could. But please bear with some of the sound uh, imperfections, if you will, that you might hear in this pod. Okay. So please sit back and relax and enjoy my conversation with Diana Dykstra and Alyssa McCarter Laborde. Hi, Diana. Hi, Alyssa. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have both of you. And it, it was fun to log in and see you both together in the conference room there. And you said you're in DC. What's happening there? Oh, there was a, uh, the, Maryland DC Credit Union Association had their annual meeting. I was there, stayed here for this, and then I'm going to Puerto Rico on 
Friday to speak to the uh, Caribbean Credit Union Association. Oh, nice. Nice. And Alyssa, are you in D.C. pretty often as part of your role? I live here. (laughs) Well, good to know. I didn't know if you were in Madison because I know you guys have some office space there, but um, well, that's good. That worked out well. So why don't we kind of start off with some introductions? Because I know I most often have Michigan folks on the podcast. So why don't we just kind of kick things off? I typically ask our guests to kind of tell us their story right off the top. And some people delve into their credit union story, some get, you know, into their personal story, but whatever you want to share with us, but just to introduce our audience to both of you, um, Diana, I'm going to kick it off to you first and just say, hey, tell us your story. Well, uh, I am a born and raised Californian. I'm in fact, fifth generation, which is really, really unusual. Everybody seems to come to California. Right. I have spent 41 years in credit units, and I still can't believe it's been 41 years. I started as a part-time loan clerk for the Golden One Credit Union, and we had no technology uh, 41 years ago. We took I took uh, notes to, to get the uh, credit ratings from a telephone call. Uh, <laughs> my way up at Golden One, had a great career there. I created, have the patents on what is now Origins or Credit Union Direct Lending, then went to work for Ed Callahan, and many people know his name, maybe. Uh, Ed was the head of the NCUA for a long time, great man to work for. Uh, I learned so much from Ed, and then for the next uh, decade, I was CEO of two different credit unions, so went that path, and then all of a sudden, I got this idea that oh, maybe being the CEO of the league would be fun. And it has been 13 years of a lot of joy and a lot of um, variety in what we do every day. And I know, Patty, you you understand that in, in the same vein that I do with all of our legislative and regulatory issues, member issues and whatnot, but I love what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't think I'd sleep if I had to do advocacy work in California. So thank you for championing that. Um, but just for uh, so uh, Diana, I, I know this, but just for everyone else, you're actually the league president of two states with California and Nevada, right? This is true. California and Nevada are two separate states. So I have two different boards and two different sets of financial uh, uh, financial statements. Uh, but it works really, really well. It keeps so. Uh, Every, everybody likes to have their own state. Right. I, mean, I don't think there's anything bad with consolidation, but at a certain point, uh, credit unions lose their voice. And so they got a lot of loud voices in both California and Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. All right, well, thanks for that, Diana. So Alyssa, just kicking it over to you to introduce you to a lot of our Michigan listeners. Um, why don't you tell us your story? Thanks, Patty. Well, I'm Alyssa McCardle Board. I joined the World Council of Credit Unions. It'll be two years in August, so about the same as new CEOs. I'm an outsider to credit unions, which I think was a shift in the board, uh, you know, doing a search and bringing me on. But I've worked in financial services for more than 20 years, really only in international or emerging markets. Um, So this is the first job I have had where I have a portfolio, you could say, that involves the U.S. and certainly CUNA is our largest member. Uh, And I think what I would say is 
a defining moment that you know probably describes my passion for having stayed in financial services, really starting early in a, in a career in microfinance. How do you think about designing loans for very low income people? Um, I took a job out of grad school that led me to Armenia, Yerevan, Armenia. And I was there for three years uh, as a 20 something year old manager of about 400 staff and 13 or 14 branches. And trying to turn around what was a failing microcredit project at the time. And my defining moment was I was sitting with a woman, an, an older woman who had, her husband had left for Russia to find work and she had really gotten herself in a, in a bind and she couldn't repay her loan. And the whole time she was talking to me, she kind of had her mouth uh, sorry, her hand covering her mouth when she when she smiled or laughed or spoke, and I couldn't figure out, you know, what was going on until I realized at some point when her hand wasn't wasn't up covering that she had been forced essentially to sell her gold capped teeth. You know, in the former Soviet Union, dental work often, if you had a cap or a crown, was with gold, gold plated. Yeah. What struck me was just how do we live in a world that forces people to lose their dignity in that way? And what can I do in designing a better alternative set of banking institutions that would address people like her? So that is ultimately why I stayed, why I was really intrigued by this job. I thought about, you know, how would you take some of the things I did early in my career and apply that on such a global platform that we have with credit unions in over 100 countries? Uh, so that was really the, you know, the driver of me coming over. And I think I'm still uh, figuring out you know, how do you lead such a diverse organization, but it's been quite a journey, never a dull moment, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And that's such an interesting story. I mean, first off, to have a kind of job like that in your 20s in such a, a such a place is is remarkable. But just to hear, you know, you you definitely got on board with the credit union mission, you know, in your 20s, even though, it, you know, you didn't segue into the actual industry itself until later. Obviously, such an overlap. It's kind of interesting because some people start at a credit union and then develop the passion. You just had the passion first and then worked your way into the credit union space. So that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Um, thanks for sharing that. And I mean, both of you, you know, I know Diana has been in the industry for, for quite some time and, and I think it's cool that I don't think there are that many league presidents that actually ran credit before. I think that's such an awesome background to have to, to lead the way in, in a league president space. But I know we got together today, mainly first off to shine a light on some two, you know, credit union powerhouses. I was telling Rick before you came on, Rick from my team, I'm like, I'm kind of nervous about this one. Everybody knows these two. I mean, Diana's like a legend and Alyssa's got this huge job, you know, and I said, this is kind of like, I'm going to sit up straight and get my P's and Q's together for you too. So I was actually just having that conversation before you logged on. So I'm I'm thrilled to have you both here. Um, so, you know, obviously the timeliness of this podcast is for a reason that I wanted to jump on with you now because we're all, uh, a lot of us are gearing up to head to the World Credit Union Conference in Vancouver um, next month. And um, I was sharing with you earlier that it's going to be my first time attending. And I thought it would be helpful for those listening because we get a lot of young professionals listening to the podcast. I think that's our biggest audience as podcast listeners. Um, there isn't an event that we host where I don't get a young professional 
professional coming up and saying they're listening to all of the episodes. And so um, I think it would be helpful for them, especially that, you know, that might not be too tuned into our bubble outside of Michigan to talk a bit about the what the World Council of Credit Unions is. And so I know, Alyssa, you're the president and CEO and Diana is the chair. So you both have, you know, obviously a lot of knowledge on, on what the mission of that organization is. Um, but, you know, Alyssa, why don't I kick it over to you as, as the CEO um, to describe to somebody who isn't familiar, you know, what, what that group does. Yeah, thank you. Well, Patty, you make us sound very important. So I'm <laughs> you are. Sure, I, I, you know, I, I, I up my game a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, so just to describe, the so World Council of Credit Unions is, we're a, a Wisconsin registered nonprofit member association. So you're familiar with this as a league. Yeah. We represent the world's credit unions. Our direct members are generally from national associations of credit unions in more than 70 countries. We have credit unions all around the world in 118 countries. Roughly 70% of total credit union members' assets are of our membership as a, as a trade association. And so a big part of what we do is advocacy on the international scene. So we work to make sure that credit unions are represented and visible when international standard setters are developing policies around banking standards, um, cybersecurity, payments today, um, climate and ESG regulation, a lot of these policies get set at an international level. And a few years later, they will show up in some form or another in the US. So we do work on the international landscape, but it does ultimately affect credit unions in the US. And so I always like to make that point. So education and networking, you mentioned our conference coming up in Vancouver. Um, this is our signature annual event that draws from many different countries, our members, non-members, people who are credit union professionals who were interested in understanding what's happening in our movement, what's happening in financial services landscape. What are the things we need to be watching for? How do we learn from one another? So that's a signature event. But I often meet people who think, oh, you're the conference people. <laughs> and so we do a lot more um, yeah. credit union conference. So trade association, I think what's most interesting for me coming into World Council is our biggest portfolio is a set of international projects that we implement as an international development organization, working with credit unions as partners and other ecosystem partners in developing countries to try to test solutions and serve the most underserved segments of a population. So one of our signature projects that we have been implementing for more than uh, three years now is in Peru and Ecuador, where we're working to address issues of migration, um, women who are facing domestic violence, who often end up in a community without uh, you know, a place to go. How do, we, how do we actually normalize people, allow them to get their their papers, their documentation, relicensing. So I like to talk about that project because it signifies how credit unions are really a critical player, not just in financial services, but into serving a broader set of community members who are often left behind. And so we, we implement those projects in a way to show that credit unions are part of a solution when you have social challenges in different communities. And we try to then build tools and lessons and stories that would allow credit unions to learn from that and potentially apply that 
in their own markets. So our, our development projects or international projects is a significant part of what we do. And then a third um, set of activities is through, we have the nonprofit registered in Wisconsin. We also have a 501c3 charitable foundation, which you're probably familiar with, uh, that houses some of our uh, you know, cutting edge programs and trying to invest in women through the Global Women's um, Leadership Network, through our YCUP program for investing in young professionals, through our Global Bridges program, which allows credit unions to engage with other credit union professionals in countries to look at shared solutions, learning from tech, uh, you know, tech disruptions, digitization is a big theme for our engagements and, and other areas of common interest. So we're a fairly complex organization beyond just a trade association, but I think that's what makes uh, it just a realm of possibilities when you get a lot of people together from very different contexts, but who ultimately have a common set of goals in serving their communities better. Absolutely. Thanks for that. And I have to do a shout out to our Michigan Global Women's Leadership Network Sister Society. We just had a gathering last week as part of our annual convention, and it's exciting to see uh, that happening. I think that's been in Michigan since 2012. So it's it's a great group. Um, so Diana, how about you? How did you first get involved with World um, Council and, and kind of what's been your experience as you evolve and now sit as the chair? So I, my first experience with World Council was being asked to go to Guatemala. And okay. uh, in, in Brian Branch was the CEO at the time. And I didn't quite know why I was going to Guatem Guatemala, but it sounded like a, a good trip. Uh, and what I was there to do, which I thought is, is pretty funny, is credit unions in Guatemala at the time were not regulated. And so I went in three times to talk to the government to convince them to regulate credit unions. Now that's kind of anti to what I do today <laughs> in the world that we live in, Patty, is, you know, yeah. please don't give us more regulation. Yeah, but some are good, some are good. <laughs> uh, so that's how I started, how I got, first got introduced to, to World Council, then started to go to, to the conference, which really inspired me, right? We, stuck in our little bubble and what we do but all of a sudden when you see the impact that people are having around the world and changing people's lives I was just bit and, and uh, was offered a position on the world council board have been on that board uh, and it is amazing the work we do I'm so excited that Alyssa is our leader she is really pushing us forward uh, to do more and to do better. And so I'm just honored to be part of this team. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, you know, as I talk to Michigan leaders and Michigan credit union employees, you know, around the state, I think some people think like, you know, we have a lot to do here in Michigan. We have a lot to do. You know, we do work with CUNA at the national level. You know, getting them excited about getting engaged at the world level seems like, you know, a, a big ask. And maybe Diana, it would be helpful for those listening and for me to hear, you know, if, if somebody came up to you, you know, at a California league event and says, Diana, you do all this stuff, you know, you're the chair now, give me the, the elevator pitch as to why I, as, as a U.S. credit union or Michigan or California credit union, why should we get involved? 
So there's a couple of reasons why it's important. Number one, the United States, we've got a wonderful credit union system, but we have people all over the world that don't have access to finance. Right. Loans. And so it's our opportunity and it's our responsibility, I think, as the United States is to support World Council to make sure that those services are being uh, made available across the, the, the world. Um, why, what was your second question to me? See, I forgot. I, I've done too many interviews in the last two days. So I, did I already answer that? <laughs> I, I know. I'm sure you have. I think that's part of it. That's a big part of it as to why we should be involved. And maybe a secondary to that question is, you know, how, how can we be involved? You know, what can we do? You know, not everyone can make it to a conference. And, um, but how else can you kind of be involved in the World Council? Certainly, there's several entry points. I mean, Global Women is become right. a really, really big um, gathering point to bring people together in all countries, and it's huge here in, in the United States, to really say, how do we support the credit union movement here in the United States and across the world? Bringing young leaders in, uh, Alyssa talks about that, you know, bringing young young people that really want to make a difference because that's our future. And if we're not, if we're not engaging them in the whole global market, I think we're missing our opportunity to, to again, make sure that all people have access to financial institutions, loans, and whatever they need for to sustain their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know Alyssa, as part of the World Council, you know, this this question might vary depending on what country you're talking about. Because I know I see folks from Ireland, you know, Diana mentioned the Caribbean. We have, you know, a lot of engagement with our friends in Kenya. So and I saw, I think I saw Korea. I mean, lots of different places around the world. But what do you think, you know, if you had to name a few, what are some of the biggest worldwide challenges you're seeing that operate around the world? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I just wanted to piggyback on what Diana was speaking about. What I have noticed most is every context is is different, right? And the U.S. is the largest credit union system in terms of members and assets, but to a certain degree is behind some of the other credit union systems and their ability to use technology to break down barriers and kind of creative ways to serve really remote and rural communities effectively, cost, you know, cost effectively. So I think different people participate in our activities or go on an engagement or obviously white cup. I'm, I'm glad you have young professional listeners because I think for me, the biggest selling point is we are, we are part of something bigger than ourselves and we are responsible for trying to grow and evolve the cooperative finance movement in a way that ultimately lasts and serves people who are often left behind or are paying way too much for the banking services, remittances, payment transfers, payday loans, much more than they should, right? And so addressing disparity, creative solutions to how do you grow your market, creative ways to work with fintech partners that actually bring affordable products, best-in-class products we're seeing developed. How do you bring those to your member base? For me, this is really the opportunity to learn. Uh, and as U.S. 
credit unions, what I hear often is, oh, we went on this engagement thinking we were going to share all of our knowledge and do good. And then they come back saying, oh my goodness, I learned so many things that I could replicate because I wasn't even thinking about that. And that's what I need to be doing with my members here. So for me, that's the, that's the best is how do we, you know, stay humble and learn that, you know, countries and very poor countries in Africa that we think, oh, you know, very different, nothing to learn there. Let me just help them actually have a lot of things that we could bring back and apply in our own business models. So I hope that's what people will take away from either participating in an event. We have webinars, we, we have some newsletters. We're trying to do a series of case studies so that whenever there is an engagement, we can publish that and share that learning. Uh, and especially for young professionals, I always say that, you know, I have kids who are, you know, in this crazy mix of like climate disaster and political lines being redrawn and China has become scary. And, you know, as a young person, you think all of the world's problems, what can I do about it? And for me, there is this network of people and business models that are democratizing financial services when it's done well and are able to do something about you know, solar financing for low-income families, right? To bring their costs down. Uh, you know, financing for small businesses that usually nobody's paying attention to because your credit record's terrible. Those are things that are equalizing the ability of access to both knowledge and finance in so many communities that, that are just growing in disparity. And so what I always try to tell us, we don't get everything right as a global movement. And Chris, who am I to say, I've been here a year and a half. But what I see is especially when you get this mix of international brains and a lot of young enthusiasm and CEOs who've been around for a long time, but still actually have a good view of like, how might we solve this problem? I find that there's so much energy that gets created. I hope you'll experience this in Vancouver. Um, that there's so much energy and ideas that come out of those interactions that that's, that's ultimately how we kind of power the movement and how we bring young people into how more can we be doing this? How, how can we think about this differently? How can we actually leverage this network to solve for some of these global challenges? Because we see credit unions digging in and doing that. So how do we, how do you scale that? And how do you scale that learning? That's something that I'm that, that our team and our board, this is, this is what we're really trying to think through. And, and the more we, more people we have engaged, the more, you know, understanding ideas and brain power we can put to it. Yeah. It, thanks for that. I think so much of what you said makes sense, especially, um, I, and I can't remember what the specific technology was, but I remember hearing from a group that learned from a contingency in Africa about some tech you know, device or, you know, some sort of software that was totally novel to somebody in the United States that they had never considered using or didn't really realize how to harness. And I think that point you made, Alyssa, is so true about going in with a humble mindset, because where do we struggle? And I know Diana appreciates this too. Where do we struggle as an industry? Serving the underserved and the unbanked and reaching those rural communities and leveraging the knowledge of countries that live that every day 
way and have come up with solutions to reach those people is certainly just one of several areas where we can learn from them. I'm sure, you know, you've, you've witnessed that, Diana, as we talk about our advocacy issues and where lawmakers are looking at us. Okay, well, you don't want payday lenders. What are you doing as an alternative, you know, um, to, to protect the consumer and to get those unbanked in? So I think that was a really cool point Alyssa made, Diana, on that one. So Alyssa, so for the young professionals listening, not everybody can go to Vancouver. Not everyone can go to Kenya. There's just no budget for that. So for people that are, are, are listening and want to get more engaged with all of the amazing things that you both have been talking about that, that the World Council does, is there a way for them to get involved from home, so to speak? Absolutely. I think you have local chapters for, especially for global women's, um, y Cup, you can join. There's virtual events. You know, Zoom is a powerful tool to get to know people. We've done that for a few years in COVID. So I think there's a number of localized events and virtual events that you can still network, get to know people, get a sense of what we're doing, be part of the movement, be part of campaigns um, to spread the word, be involved in some of the things we're doing to learn and and reinvest that into your own credit union and your own community. So I think that power of networks, young people do really well digitally. And we have a number of ways that we're trying to grow that network. So you don't have to travel uh, as long as you've got a way to hook up to Wi-Fi and a way to be Zoomed in. I think there's a lot of ways we're trying to engage young people. And some of our Cup scholars, I have seen appear in different ways that that really are some of our best advocates. So I would just encourage people to you know, look us up, pay attention to events, be part of a couple of our webinar series, uh, become a member of YCOP. It really only takes a touch point. And I think you develop relationships and friends and then opportunities, you know, that build on themselves. And that's the kind of doors we want to open for young professionals and, and also allow them to contribute. You know, we don't have all the answers to all the things we want to do to, to further grow the movement. And I think young people have different ways of looking at things. And that's that's the power of you know fresh energy coming into the movement that we want to try to invest in. Um, Dana, what are you looking forward to most um, for the, the World um, Credit Union Conference next month? What are you excited about? I'm just excited when we bring people from around the world together. Yeah. Every year I learn something new, interacting with uh, people that come from different countries, from different states, even for Pete's sakes. Uh, and it's just a great opportunity to remind us that we are not one, we are many. Uh, and, and we're all different, but we make, we make a difference in the world. So I just love the energy that the World Council Conference brings and can't wait to be there. I know, I'm excited. So, Alyssa, how many, what, what's attendance looking like? Well, I tell you, this is going to be a record breaker. So, we already have more than 3,000 participants registered to attend, uh, more than 30 countries, but I think typically we have roughly 50 or plus countries that are represented, but 3,000 participants so far, hopefully, knock on wood, if you haven't applied for a visa and you need one, anybody listening, we need, I think we're working with the Canadian government to try to prioritize any visas that are required for countries that, you know, that country nationals that require them. So hopefully, all 3,000 registered will be able to attend. We have more than 45 breakout sessions. 
know, I can say what's, what I'm really looking forward to is Canada has really led the industry, especially in sustainable finance and looking at climate adaptation and sustainable finance, which we know has to define how we think about our business model going forward and how do we think about resilience at the member level and how can we be part of rethinking um, the ability to mitigate risk, to look at disruptions of weather and water and all the things that we know are just uh, are, are going to be challenges uh, for us as providers. And so I think there'll be several, several sessions around that theme. Uh, there's exposure visits to some of the large credit unions in the Vancouver area. I know there's a couple that are fully booked, but there's still some spots uh, available for that. So I think just featuring Canada, because uh, it is co-hosted with the Canadian National Association. Uh, we also have Desjardins, which is the, the Quebec-based, the, the Francophone Canada, who will be there. Uh, and so it's, I think it's a really interesting way to feature the Canadian credit union movement uh, in its unified state with two of the big players there and many credit unions there. This replaces their annual conference. And so we'll have a lot of uh, participation from Canada, which is, you know, as one of the, the next largest systems in the world uh, is a really good way to learn from our neighbor uh, next door in the U.S. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. You know, climate is going to be a big theme. Digitization, digital transformation, which is the pain point, will remain a theme. You know, how are we thinking about uh, the trends that are coming down and, and regulatory circles on instant payments and cybersecurity, all the things that are immediate pain points to credit unions everywhere. We are trying to feature really practical breakouts and sessions that will get at the business as well as get at the, the possibilities of what more we can do as a, as a credit union movement. So stay tuned, but I'm really glad that you're going uh, you know, we still have registration open, so I think it's going to be uh, quite an event in Vancouver and a beautiful time to be in Vancouver. So, you know, if only that, you know, show up and network and be part of uh, a pretty interesting time to come together in July. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited not only for all of the events that you've heard and the breakouts and every and seeing everybody, but um, I've never been to Vancouver either. So I'm looking forward to seeing that and um, just all around a great opportunity. I'm, I'm excited. We were talking about when we were going to air this podcast. And so I wasn't sure for some reason you were going to say we're sold out, but I said to Rick, I'm like, oh, if there's still openings, let's get this out by Friday so people can hear it and still register. So I'm glad to hear that. I know I heard some people talking about hotels filling up, but I mean, it's a big city. There's always places to stay and, and somewhere to go. So very exciting. And I mean, certainly those topics that you mentioned, you know, are relevant to everybody that works in the credit union industry. So it'll be really great to hear some collective ideas from other countries on how they're tackling some of these and to hear from some of the experts on these topics. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I also have to do a shout out. We have our own young professional, Samantha Tillman. Um, our league gave a full ride scholarship to a young professional to the world. Um, 
conference. So uh, excited to have her there. And I know we have some other Michiganders um, coming our way. I'm bringing Renee, who heads up our education team, to come see it for the first time. So we have a lot of first-time attendees that uh, I'm really thrilled to be bringing with me there. But um, anything we didn't touch on with respect to the event that you all wanted to talk about before we get to know you a little bit better and ask some fun get-to-know-you questions? Well, I'm just thrilled to hear they're first-timers, and I hope they become repeat timers. <laughs> so, here, Patty, if you start to bring people in, they're going to want to keep coming, and yeah. I think that's great. That's a great, uh, great opportunity yeah. for us. I always love it when the, the first-timers come in, and they're just overwhelmed at first with the number of people, but how immediately they emerge themselves into the, the entire experience. It's really, it's fun, and it really keeps me... I'm happy that we're sustaining and building more champions in, in the credit union. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's something that I tell our, our credit unions all the time. It's like my job as an association, and I'm sure you both feel this way, is to get people, I mean, we wear lots of hats, but one of my main jobs, especially when it comes to young professionals, is to get them excited about working in this movement. You know, I mean, they have options to work anywhere, right? And, and it's a challenging time for the workforce, as we all know. And so there's so many different ways you can get your young professionals excited about this movement we're in. Obviously, a huge way to do that is not only the CUNA GAC, but then, you know, this world a wide event um i can't keep them at your individual credit union that's on you but i can keep them in our movement and i feel like that's part of my responsibility you know being in this trade association world we're in so um i i'm i'm sure i'm helping out um samantha's credit union as far as keeping her in the movement by exposing her to this world event i hear the highlight for a lot of people is the flag ceremony because i think it really sinks into them how much how many countries are involved and how I think it's just a very goosebumpy event from what I've heard. Did you guys agree? Yeah. 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 It, it is a fascinating to watch all of the flags march in and it's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So I thought it'd be fun just as women to sit around and get to know you both better. So when some of our attendees bump into you, they can say, hey, Diana, I know what's on your nightstand at home because you said it on the podcast. So random questions um, as icebreakers um, and, and to kind of have some fun before we before we go about our business today. Um, I'm going to ask you both the same. So first thing, and I'm going to start with you. What is on your lovely nightstand in California? It's really sad. My phone. Just your phone? This literally is? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. Um, all right, Alyssa. I'll believe you. I'll believe you. Alyssa, what about you? <laughs> Gosh, well, for all, for all the parents on the phone, yeah. appreciate that I read on airplanes. Otherwise, with three small kids, I don't have time. And my, my book on my nightstand is buried under all the bedtime stories that I still am you know, responsible to read. But I have to answer this question because I actually do have a book hardcover on my nightstand, which I'm very proud about. A very close friend of mine, Jared Fishman, who was formerly at the Department of Justice. He was a federal prosecutor in the Civil Rights Division, just published his book. And it's my handwritten copy that I'm very proud of. But he was part of the Department of Justice team working with a rookie FBI agent uh, who's a brilliant young woman they essentially did a groundbreaking case against 
at the New Orleans Police Department in the murder of a Black man named Henry Glover, who was murdered right after Hurricane Katrina. So it is a fascinating insider read by Jared on what it took to essentially run this prosecution in New Orleans as a young person in DOJ, kind of given a case they thought we're never going to solve this. And he was actually able to bring justice against police officers who would essentially, you know, abuse their roles during that messy period of Katrina. So a groundbreaking case in the United States, fascinating read. I'll just do a, a bonus because he is a friend of mine and a really smart person and is still committed to criminal justice reform in the U.S. So it's a great read. It's called Fire on the Levee. It's a great, it's a great read. I'm, I'm almost to the end of it. Whenever my next plane ride is, I'll be able to finish it. You poor thing. Yeah. With three young kids reading, it's like impossible. Um, so that's so cool. And how cool of a perspective of you to read that knowing him. I mean, it's gotta be doubly fascinating for you. And then you can pick up the phone and call or text him. It's like, inquiring <laughs> minds. That's really cool. Staying with you, Alyssa, what is something that people get wrong about you? Gosh, this is a hard question. You know, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And my mother, I'm very close to, is from South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina. And so it comes out every once in a while, my Southern accent. But I think from my mother, I I have this genteel persona where I want everybody to be happy. I'm the hostess, whatever. And I guess what some people don't know about me, except for my husband, is I am tough as nails. You do not <laughs> want to get into a battle with me or something I care about because my persistence will just outlast you. So I, I owe it to my mother for the you know, the kind of politeness that I can be, but I think what has served me well is I can stick through something difficult because I think sometimes you got to just do that. Yeah. Good to know. What is something people get wrong about you, Diana? You know, I am such an open book. I'm not sure that anything gets, anybody gets it wrong. Now there's a lot of chatter about what Diana is or isn't, because I'm just who I am. I'm a born and raised Californian open book because I can't tell a lie because I can't remember if I said something wrong. <laughs> uh, so I am just, I am just a, a, a open book and, and very approachable, but a lot of people think, oh my gosh, it's Diana Dykstra. And it's like, really? It's just Diana. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I can see that. I can see people thinking that, but it only takes 30 seconds of knowing you to know how how fun and open and warm you are. And that's why you are one of my favorite people. It's not because, I mean, obviously your reputation is what it is, which is fabulous in our, our space. Um, but, you know, within a minute of talking to you, you're one of the league presidents I wanted to sit next to and talk to and give a big hug to. So I, I, uh, I, I agree. I don't know if there's anything. And if people ever got something wrong about you to me and that it was a negative, I'd be like bringing them home because that's just, you know, you don't, you don't say that. All right. So, Diana, we'll stick with you as we move on to the next one. If you could have coffee with anyone, Diana, who would it be and why? Uh, I would love to have coffee with Michelle Obama. Uh, she is just a fascinating woman to me. Uh, what she's done, you know, okay, she was married to uh, Barack Obama, first, you know, wife, but the work she does and the passion she has just inspires me. And I would not, like, nothing more than to spend an afternoon just listening to her story and trying to figure out how I can be better. Uh, Because she is just a graceful, 
graceful individual. Yeah. And <laughs> have you read his second book? I read your first memoir, kind of her whole experience as first lady, but I haven't read the second one yet. I can't remember something about light. I don't remember the name of it. Very. Yeah, I have. Have you read it? I have. It's under my eyes down now because oh. I, I, I just nice. a great read. It's a great read. Highly recommend. Okay, good. I got to get to that one. And I I listened to my first book on Audible because it was so cool. And arguably, I don't even know if it's arguable. I mean, she's not only fascinating, but she's like smart. She's super smart. I mean, she was Barack's boss. I don't think people realize that the law firm, it's like she was in charge of him. You know, she's, she's a smart person. So that would be awesome. If you ever make that happen, Diana, I expect to be on the short list of guests to attend that coffee sit down. Um, Alyssa, how about you? Uh, who to have coffee with? All right. So I have to come up with something as good as Michelle Obama, because okay. I joined that coffee meeting. I would say Another person who has inspired and impressed me is Dame Grossom Michelle. So she's the former first lady of Nelson Mandela. She's Africa's foremost advocate for women and children. Uh, if you look her up, just all the different things she has done and represented. And I, I say that because there's a quote that I use and reuse a number of times. And you know, because she has this very powerful mission in investing in women and children as the way you achieve socio and economic advancement, you know, so much evidence has gone into that. She has this quote of, and I won't, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly how she said it, but it's something along the lines of, you know, women shouldn't just ask to have a seat at the table. They need to redesign the table. And I love that because I think for young leaders, for all of us, you know, we, we can raise our voices, we can invite new voices, but sometimes we need to rethink actually how business, how the world is designed to make it work for everyone. And so she just has inspired me in speeches and the work she's done and her, you know, life devoted to women and children would love to have coffee or whatever she might want to sit down with me for. <laughs> You're open to any beverage. I know it's, well, I'm glad you mentioned her, Alyssa, because, you know, we always hear, of course, about the amazing work of Nelson Mandela, but his the first lady's voice is as often as the case, you know, silenced and we don't know much about her, at least I don't. So that's something awesome that people can Google and, and look into. So thanks for shining a light on her. Um, so I know you both travel a ton for work and I don't know about you all, but I've had to be very intentional about making time for just purely personal travel, because even though we travel somewhere and we actually enjoy it and have fun, we don't really get to experience the city. Most often we don't even remember what city we're in and people think, oh, it's so cool. You're in wherever Nashville. It's like, yeah, well, I haven't even left the hotel. <laughs> We've all done that. But um, so I've had to be really intentional about carving out 100% just personal travel where I pick the destination and I actually enjoy the city. It's hard to do when you travel as much, especially as much as we both travel. Um, Diana, we're going to have to compare notes on Egypt. I heard you were just there. I was there in December, so I'm excited to talk to you about it. But what's a bucket list travel destination, Diana, someplace you haven't been that's on the list, if there's something that is still out there for you to explore? <laughs> Well, there's very few, and Egypt has be, become my book. I mean, it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to talk to you. It's probably the only place I haven't been is up in the fjords. So that will be my next. Uh, when I look at the map, so I've got I got this big map, and I started putting, you know, dots everywhere I'd been, and then I realized, my gosh, I've missed this section of the world. So that's where my next trip will be. 
What about you, Alyssa? You know, I have so many trips for work that I haven't thought about what else I could fit in <laughs> for personal. But so I will tell you that something that's been on my bucket list and I am um, really excited because I'm actually going to go there in September is Kathmandu, Nepal. Mm. Uh, I actually was supposed to, when I was in between jobs several years ago, I had, uh, I had a job that was going to take me to Nepal and Bangladesh. And then it was monsoon season. They canceled the trip because they just had a humanitarian disaster. So I'll be going to the Asian Confederation of Credit Unions annual meeting that will be in Nepal this year. And it'll be my first time meeting many of our Asian Confederation members. And so it's a work trip, but I, it's going to be, you know, crossing off the bucket list. Hopefully I'll have a day to do a bit of tourism, but I'm just really excited to meet that team and, and be in a place that I think is just fascinating. So much history and culture there and temples. And of course the beauty of mountains and, and natural landscapes. So yeah, I'll let you know after September how it goes. Yeah. Well, ironically, um, I just picked up my daughter from the airport yesterday and she was in Nepal, Kathmandu and hiked up to Everest base camp and did all that craziness over there. But she said in the pic, so I just got to see all of her pictures of Kathmandu. So it's really top of mind for me. It's funny you said that city, but um, first off, it's way bigger than I thought. And um, she said, especially when you start walking up into the Himalayas, it's just the prettiest place she's ever seen. It's just really cool and really warm people and just so accommodating and friendly. And so I'm excited to hear what you think of it. And if you, I'm sure you know people in the area, obviously you're meeting up with people, but if you need any recommendations, she, she was there for they were in the mountains for quite a bit, but then she was in the city for a good week. So she was really exploring it. So um, very fun. Um, you'll have to let me know how that goes. Okay. So last but not least, Diana, um, what is one trait or quality that you think every leader should strive for? Authenticity. I'm going to say, see, that's Diana. <laughs> Diana is authenticity at its best. And that's what I was going to say. So I will say the other thing that I think is tied to authenticity is humility. I think this came up in the conversation. You know, leadership is difficult these days, especially navigating AI and who knows what next. So I think humility, if we know what we don't know, uh, is one of the other things. But I would have said authenticity if Diana hadn't said it. Yeah, it, it's a good one. And I think it's it's a hard one, I think, because we all have this armor that we put on or we, you know, are afraid to to sometimes not be ourselves. But I think, you know, I think that certainly rings true with Diana and Alyssa. I'm sure as I get to know you more and more and I see you speak publicly and stuff, um, even in the times that I have, it's it definitely comes through with both of you as leaders for sure. And it's just so much easier to just be yourself <laughs> you know, anyway, isn't it? You know, to me, it is. You kind of see what you get, and um, I'm sure that has brought brought both of you um, a long way. So that's that's a great answer. Um, well, can't thank you enough for squeezing me into your busy day in D.C. I really appreciate both of you taking the time and shining some light on these amazing topics and in your awesome experience in the industry and and in you know supporting people in the financial space. And so thanks for being here. I look forward to seeing both of you next month. I know you're going to be very busy in your roles there, but I'll track you down and 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 have a beverage and, and um, catch up with both of you in person. 
Thanks, Patty. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks, both of you. And um, safe travels, and especially to the Caribbean, Diana. And um, I will see you both very soon. All right, everyone. I told you that was a great episode. Thanks again to Diana and Alyssa. They're super busy <laughs> sitting there in Washington, D.C., uh, both working away. And for them to take the time out to join um, the podcast to really talk to our Michigan Credit Union community, I can't thank them enough for their engagement and support um, to really get the word out, right, on, on this world credit union community we have and to get folks excited about the World Credit Union Conference. I mean, you heard Heard there's going to be over 3,000 people in attendance, 118 credit unions represented. How amazing is that? I'm so excited to hear about advocacy on the international scene, the big issues that are impacting credit unions around the world, payments, um, climate change, um, and the different breakouts that they're going to have, the way that we need to grow in cooperative finance, um, ESG issues. I mean, all of those things, the digital transformation, and especially shining some light on, on climate and, and cyber as well. So really thrilled um, to to be going to the conference next month. And, and I, I think just take note of what Alyssa said, right? If there's ways, maybe you can't go to Vancouver, maybe you can't go to some of these events in person, but especially for our young professionals with the YCOP, which you can find on the World um, Credit Union, um, the World Council of Credit Unions website, you can find some more information on the young professional opportunities that exist. And I, I specifically asked Alyssa to shine a light on what you can do from home, right? Or what you can do from your office and still be a part of this community. And she was very clear that there's ample ways to participate by, by, uh, by home. So please check that out and, and to get engaged. And um, certainly for the Michigan Global Women's Sister Society, there's um, opportunity at, at that level to participate through the Charitable Foundation of the World Council. So lots of ways to get involved. And uh, I was thrilled to learn more, not only about the conference, but just how we're all connected at this global level. Gets me even more excited, if that's possible, about this cool um, credit union community that we are all a part of. So thank you very much for listening. It was great having you. And if I'm not going to see you in Vancouver, believe me, I will be updating you on my experience there and, and shining some light on what I learned. And so stay tuned to hear uh, me connect with you all from Vancouver and bring you along for the ride. Take care. Thanks for listening. <laughs>